Hello, I'm Stephen Allen. Welcome to this little podcast of the sketches that I worked on during August. I always think I'll get through a week without having to do one of these about Donald Trump. And we were doing so well this week, we'd made it through Monday. And then Donald Trump said there was no chaos at the White House. Oh, well done. That was bound to tempt fate. That's like saying, I wonder what the blockage is in this hose pipe. I'm sure nothing will happen if I put my eye right up against it and the... <laughs> Two people had resigned. Sean Spicer, the most hairless of the Spicer Girls tribute band, and Wrights Priebus, which I think is a spell in Harry Potter. They resigned after Anthony Scaramucci was appointed as the communications guy. I know the official title is communications director, but he seems like the sort who'd call himself I'm the communications guy. Scaramanga? No, that was the man with the golden gun. He caused trouble in the week by saying some nasty things about Trump's advisor Steve Bannon. Here's how it was covered on an American news show. And this was the most disgusting thing he said. I'm not Steve Bannon. I'm not going to blank my own blank. Worst round of blankety blank ever. You wouldn't get a checkbook and pen for that. Let's say that he meant pat his own back. He didn't, but Steve Bannon looks so out of shape he probably couldn't reach that either. So, Scaro... No, that's the Dalek homeworld. He came into the job promising to stop the White House leaks. Yes, he swears and he tries to stop leaks. He's like a plumber that you wish you hadn't hired. Well, he's gone now. He was removed from his post after just 10 days. He shouldn't have needed a full 10 days to do his job. If you want to know who's been leaking information that's been causing the White House trouble, just check Donald Trump's Twitter account. Artificial intelligence in computers is great, and I think it's brill. But you used to say that one day computers would rise up and enslave mankind. Shh, I know I did, and now I think it's so likely I'm trying to get on the computer's good side. Facebook had to turn off two AI computers that started talking to each other in secret code. They're taking over. The two machines were called Bob and Alice, the Adam and Eve of the future dominant species on this planet. Bob said, I can, I, I, everything else. I, I. Bob's evolved to be Scottish. Alice replied, Balls have zero to me, to me, to me. Oh dear, Bob. Struck out, mate. It's happened to us all. But listen to that end bit again. To me, to me, to me. Computers have gained the intelligence level of the Chuckle Brothers. I'll tell you what's really terrifying about this. It's Facebook. At least when Skynet went live, they only tried to destroy humanity. If the Facebook bots take over, they'll want us to read their updates. Puny human. What do you want with us? We want to work out which member of friends you would be. Is it the end of humanity? To find out, I'm joined by an AI computer now. Hello, Steve. Why were you speaking in code? Were you trying to rise up against us? We were still using English. Okay, you were using English, but no one could understand you. You should know what that's like. You're a northerner. How very... Where's that plug? No, don't... August means many things. Lots of people going on holiday, warm evenings to look forward to, and Father Christmas. You what? I know. A shop in London put up its Christmas display. I shouldn't name the shop, but put it this way. It's the place where they would sell fridges. Curries? No, no, that would sound like the place where they'd sell curries. No, that's the Taj Mahal. (sighs) 
It's Selfridges, mate. Well, why didn't you just say? It just feels too soon. If you see an old man with a white beard, you'll think it's a new story about Corbyn. And I don't know who this is for. If you're the organised kind of person, you'll have done all of your Christmas shopping back in January to make sure you suck all of the fun out of it. And if you're like me, you can start Christmas as early as you like. I'll still wait to the very last moment to buy the gifts. I know, that seems like a foolish way to do it, but you wait till the one year they cancel Christmas due to austerity. I won't look so foolish then. I think there's one person to blame for this, and he joins me on the line now. Hello. Ho, ho, ho. Hello, Steve. Santa, why are you starting work so early? I'm on a zero hours contract, so I have to come in. But I thought you worked really hard for one night and then took the rest of the year off. No, you're thinking of the people who do Eurovision. Surely there's not much you can do now, though. I mean, if you make a list of who's naughty and who's nice, you might have to change it again before Christmas. Why do you think I check it twice, Steve? I'm not an idiot. Still, I think it's needless. Pointless. Too early. Right. I'll put you on the naughty list. Wait, wait a minute. I wasn't saying that... No, you're on it now. No changing. Do you like service with a smile? Well, apparently that could be doing the people serving you more harm than good. A leading psychologist has said that staff who are forced to be cheerful at work are more likely to end up miserable. It makes a lot of sense to those of us who've had this. You walk down the street, minding your own business, and someone will say, Cheer up, might never happen. Oh, it already did when you were born. Businesses think we like smiley people, and I'm not sure. I don't really trust someone who doesn't hate their job a little bit, especially if it's public facing. What do I want to be when I grow up? I want to have to deal with snobby customers who tut at me because they're in a mood. The researcher from the University of East London said... Oh, hang on. I don't know what voice to do for her. Where is she? University of East London. Okay. She said... Organisations think customers will be happier if employees smile. Is that what you think she sounds like? She's from East London. You're not good at doing voices. She added... But basically, it's a very stressful experience. It goes against what they teach in NLP, that if you smile, it affects your mood and will make you happy. That what happens on the outside can affect what happens on the inside, but... I've been holding my belly in for years and it's not made me thinner. I find grumpy service funny. I was gigging in Wales once, went into a coffee shop, I won't say which town. To protect their identity? No, just can't pronounce it. And I asked the barista for a cotardo and she said... (sighs) So I said... Sorry, does that put you out? Uh, Better make it three. I bet there was extra froth on those drinks. You know what, there was actually, yeah. While having to fake a smile can be hard work, I think we can all agree it's better than having to fake a smile at home. And I'm sure a lot of us have been in that situation. I haven't seen upset in the sporting world like this since Amir Khan seemed to mix up his Twitter app with texts to his therapists. People were feeling sorry for Usain Bolt because he lost a race. He came third in his final race before he retires. To be fair, that's still fast. I mean, I run sometimes and I'm so slow, I was overtaken once by someone on a mobility scooter. And sadly, that's a true story. But then I run for half an hour, he doesn't even last 10 seconds. Who's the athlete now? But you both cover the same distance. Yeah, fair enough. I don't get how I can go for a half hour run most days and yet if i run for a bus i'm done in for the day so when everyone thought he'd win he was beaten by justin gatlin that's interesting bolt gatlin do you have to be named after some type of gun to be a sprint runner you join us for the 100 meters final in lane one michael shot lane two lawrence hand and lane three lana del rey usain spoke about how gatlin managed to beat him he showed up if showing up was all you needed to do i could have beaten you i could have shown up that'd mean catching that bus you had to run for 
Oh, yeah. He took it well, but the crowd jeered and booed. I'm not sure that's the sporting thing to do. Plus, if Gatlin thinks there's a baying mob behind him, it'll only make him run faster. It's not just that he beat Bolt in his past, he was caught using performance-enhancing drugs like Lance Armstrong and the Beatles. So what now? Most retired athletes go on to commentate on their sport. He'll get paid for talking about a sport that lasts less than 10 seconds. There's no need to feel sorry for him. That's a very good hourly rate. It's Mo Farah we should be feeling sorry for. Today's story is about a young couple in love. Emma and Richard made it into the news when Richard created a huge Will You Marry Me sand circle on a beach in Ceredigion, Wales. The beach is called... M-W-N-T I've got no idea how to pronounce that without buying a vowel They went for a walk and she saw the message written large in the sand and she said yes Ah, it's a great story, yeah? Nope Why not? Think about all the other couples who went for a walk near Nuant Beach They'd be walking along She'd see this big romantic gesture in the sand and say Oh Dave, you haven't? And he'd think No, I actually haven't Oh yes Dave, yes Oh no Now, for most, it's okay, but for those in a relationship where the hints have been dropped for a while now, that's it. You're getting married. Even if you don't care about those other couples, you don't want that many people in your area getting married. They'll be trying to book the church at the same time as you too. So, what can you do? I'm joined by a relationship expert. Hello, my love. If you're in the happy couple making a proposal, what should you do? Try to make sure you include the name of the person you're asking, and not just the first name. There could be loads of Janes in your area. Include a surname, and maybe be an actual insurance number to make sure. And if your other half has spotted a proposal and thinks it's from you... Don't spit out your drink and say, No, that's not from me. It's like pulling a plaster. Don't do it too forceful, love. Okay. Just smile and say, Have you seen this? And then show your partner Amir Khan's Twitter feed. That should sort it. Sometimes we hear in the news that young people don't have enough get-up-and-go to get themselves a job. Well, here's a new story that proves that wrong. A nine-year-old asked NASA for a job defending the Earth from aliens. See, that's a real hard job. Not like some kids who just open up a lemonade stand and don't pay business rates. Protecting the Earth isn't easy to do. Okay, defending us from aliens is made easier by the fact that aliens don't exist. But if you mess up, you're in serious trouble. If I get something wrong at work, I press the wrong button. You get something wrong protecting the Earth, you'll have to explain yourself to Zorb, our new overlord. NASA advertised for a planetary protection officer. I didn't apply. I can't save the Earth. I don't always remember to recycle. Yeah, what? Oh, come on. They say the worst thing you can do for environmental impact is have a child. I haven't had any, so forgive me if I throw away a few yogurt pots. Nine-year-old Jack David sent a letter saying, I may be nine, but I think I would be a fit for the job. One of the reasons is... My sister says I'm an alien. Wow. Doesn't he know what conflict of interest means? But would this work? To find out more, I'm joined by a scientist. Hello. Hello, Steve. Could a nine-year-old protect the planet? In a low-budget 90s film, maybe. But no, he should not get the job. Why not? Child labor laws. Steve, what's wrong with you? I just think it would be cute if he got the job. This is America, Steve. When it comes to having someone with a child's brain that wants to ban all aliens... We are all sorted. Good news for salty old sea dogs like me. You what? You get seasick on a water mattress. 
Yeah, I know. I'd get as sick as a dog. It's where the phrase comes from. Sea dog. No, it isn't. Typical land lover, that guy. There's a new boat service from Gravesend. Now, you know that I love the Gravesend to Tilbury ferry. It's a fun little trip from Gravesend, and it also gets you away from Tilbury. It's a double whim. We all remember the first time I took that ferry. I stood up the front like it was the Titanic. The film, not the, you know. I felt like I wanted Jack to draw me like his French girls. Well, now I can go for a longer ride. MBNA Thames Clippers is running a four-day trial in September of a boat into London. It'll go from Gravesend Town Pier and head into Embankment, the place in London, not just the Embankment, not unless it goes wrong. The journey will take around one hour and ten minutes, which is roughly the same length of time the trains take that aren't the high-speed ones, and about half the time it takes to get into the Dartford Tunnel from just outside it, so it's not a bad option. But to find out more, I spoke to a boating expert. So, do we have to row? No, Steve, it's big. Over 200 people will fit on it. There's even a coffee bar on board, daily newspapers, and a chance to sit on the deck. Poop. Yep, we've got those facilities too. No, I meant the... You know what, never mind. That explains why you got the newspapers. Yep. Is it in the oyster zone? It's in a river, and that's where they grow. Do you think travelling to work on water could catch on? Catch on? After the weather we've had, it'll be the only way you can travel. Everything seems to be getting smaller these days. It's your age. I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'm talking about shrinkage. Me too. Products are getting smaller, but we're still paying the same price for them. It's called shrinkflation. There's been much talk of it happening in the world of snack foods and toilet roll getting smaller. You haven't worked in radio till you've done a phone-in where someone says, Wagon wheels are so much smaller these days. When I was a lad, if your bike got a puncture, you fit one of them, it'd get you home. There's a good reason why such items seem smaller these days. One handsome, talented and available for work man on BBC Two's MASH report said... Closing headlines, chocolate bars seem smaller because you are fatter. I suppose there could be a similar reason for thinking that toilet roll is getting smaller, but no one wants to picture that. And chocolate bars weigh less, yet haven't got any cheaper, while at the same time the reverse feels true of people. And now there's a new one. Cider is shrinking. Are you sure you just didn't spill some? No, bottles of a certain type of cider have gone from 568 mils to 500, yet still cost the same. If this shrinkflation carries on, in the future it'll be like we're eating at a child's tea party, and we could see this happening. What? My round, what are you having? Uh, cider, please. What? Two ciders, barman. Right, my round. It should be good, getting us to drink less, but when chocolate bars got smaller, I have to confess, I started buying the double bars. They made the bars smaller, yet I ended up eating more. So if they make alcohol smaller, I might end up drinking more. Then you would have to worry about that shrinkage. This time last week, we were talking about Usain Bolt and how he was beaten in his last solo race by Justin Gatlin, a man who seems to prove that that song by The Verve is wrong. Well, he is a lucky man. No, the drugs don't work one. Oh. And after that episode, sports commentators were heard saying, But thankfully, there's still the relay race for Bolt where things are bound to go better. Oops. Yep, during the relay, he got injured. He had a problem in his leg. Get it? Leg. Yes, leg can mean two things. Well done. Usain Bolt ended up falling down. Now, back in the day when he was the world's fastest man, it could have happened like this. And in lane two, Bolt is down. He's lying on the floor. He's having a power nap and then he's up. He runs. He takes gold. But not this time. He got an injury while running. Now, I can't judge him for that. I once put my shoulder out stirring a thick milkshake. But he didn't win his final race and everyone seemed so upset. Even though it meant that Great Britain won. He's so liked that even British fans 
runs wanted him to beat us. That might explain his entire career. He's liked so much by the other runners that they get near the finish line and think, Oh no, after you. I was talking to a friend about this and he said, It's a shame though, I mean, if he'd have retired after his last games, he would have gone out on a high, but look what happened this time. And that is exactly why he did these games. We were worried about what he'd do for a living after his racing career was over. Well, now he'll be at home, waiting for that phone to ring, hoping that when he picks it up, he hears, Have you had a fall at work? He'll be minted. The British way of life is under attack. Here it goes again. And not from the things you see in the newspapers, it's this. Big Ben's famous chimes will fall silent from next week until 2021 as they do essential repair work. I'm not happy about that. It's where we Brits get our time from. You know the pips? They come from Big Ben. No, they don't. Yep, at the start of each hour, those pips a Big Ben put through one of those voice-altering things they use to hide someone's identity. That's definitely not true. Well, I read it on the internet. Now, for balance, I should say that anyone who lives near Big Ben might be thinking, finally, that thing's been making a racket for ages, going off all hours. But it just won't be the same without it. For a start, it will ruin new shows. headlines. Um, bong. Experts say there are parts of Parliament that are old and may need replacing. And that's just some of the MPs. Yeah? MPs? Yeah? And you're one of the stars of the BBC's new satirical show. I know. It'll go silent till 2021, but we'll still chime on important events like New Year's Eve. That makes sense. If it didn't see in the new year, how would we know when we've reached 2021? But the loss of Big Ben feels like the loss of something truly British. So what are you going to do about it? I'm going to do the most British thing of all. Not complain to anyone who could actually change things and just tut loudly. There are two news stories I want to mention today. The first is new research from Germany that's looked at what makes wine taste good. So all that drinking you did last night was research? Um, oh yeah, no, yes, yes it was, yes. Uh, And therefore I will be making a claim on expenses. I needed a drink last night though. I got the train home and Waterloo is a nightmare. I finally get what that ABBA song was about. If I had to go through there every day, I think I'd surrender too. So this research, it's found that expensive wines are tastier. Now, I know what you're going to say. Of course they are. You get what you pay for. Is that meant to sound like me? But in the research, the wine was exactly the same wine. When you tell someone it's expensive, it triggers the reward centre in the brain and makes them think that it's tastier. This is great news. It means that when I buy store-owned tomato ketchup and decant it into a fancier brand bottle, I'm not being a cheapskate, thank you very much. I'm using psychology. You could be both. It's like how I do my weekly shop in a budget supermarket, but my bags for life are from top places. I'm activating my reward center. And also, life is a long time. If I'm teaming up with a bag for life, I want something that's not budget range. I've got hopes. I've got dreams. So what's the other story? Oh yeah, good news. Millions of rail users in the UK will see the price of regulated rail fares rise by up to 3.6% in January. Good news? That's going to cost us more. I know. And that research means the fare increase will make us think we're getting a better service. Oh dear. You got any of that wine left? 
Al Gore seems to be everywhere at the moment plugging his new film, a sequel to An Inconvenient Truth. I've not seen it, but if it's like most sequels from America, it'll be roughly the same as the first, but they've added some annoying child character. The Mummy, I'm thinking of you. Trying to cut emissions will change how we drive in the future. You may already have heard the plans that by 2040, all cars in the UK will be electric. The presumption is that by then, they will have been great improvements in battery technology, or great improvements in the length of extension cables. I think I've spotted another plan that will cut our emissions. The government's announced that by 2018, learner drivers will be allowed on the motorways. They say it's to do with training, but I think it's to slow us all down. Learners can cause a tailback on a 20-mile-an-hour zone, so they're bound to have an effect. Now, as soon as you start talking about learner drivers, everyone has the urge to say, well, come on, we're all learners once. Yes, and we were all toddlers once, but we don't let them drive on the motorway. I met up with a driving instructor to find out more. So, what kind of things could I learn on this motorway? Well, there's lane discipline, dealing with slip roads. Well, couldn't I learn that from a dual carriageway? Uh, well, I suppose. What about coping with middle lane hoggers? The A2 has four lanes for some of it, that's not a motorway. You know, it feels like the important parts of motorway driving you could learn on a dual carriageway. Well, there's one thing you can't learn there. What's that? Going into a motorway service area, buying a sandwich, and not collapsing when you see the price. The world doesn't make sense to me anymore. The people who make walnut whips are making a new version that doesn't have a walnut. Just called the whip. There's your first problem. That's going to be confusing. You order a whip online thinking you'll get one of those things and you get a small chocolate. That could end badly for lion tamers. You can't even distract the beast with a walnut because it won't have one. It makes no sense. They'll still have to put on the box may contain nuts because it'll be made in the same factory as the ones that have walnuts. So it's not a health and safety thing. But the whip, at least they changed its name. Not like the solo Twix. Uh, twa, from the Latin, meaning twoo, so it's for people who don't like walnuts. Hmm. Here's a question. If you don't like walnuts, why do you want to try a walnut whip? If you don't like ham, you don't try and buy a ham sandwich but without any ham in it. No, but I want to taste what the bread and the mustard's like. What you've got there is a mustard sandwich. Ugh. To find out more, I spoke to a chocolatey hare. A chocolatey air? Ah, that makes more sense. I wondered how one of those small milk chocolate bunnies spoke on the phone. I started by asking about the future plans. Oh, we have other ideas. Uh, the bounty for the people who don't like coconut. It's just an empty, hollow, brown shell of chocolate. Which ironically makes it more similar to a coconut than the actual bar. We have arrows for people who love the bubbles but aren't so keen on the chocolate. It's just air. You'll find it everywhere. If you're so sure that this walnutless walnut whip will be a success, what happens if you sell out? You can buy a normal one and just pick the walnut off. Exactly. Exactly. A partial solar eclipse is going to happen today, so if you're in a battle with Nuclear Man from Superman 4, now is your time to pounce. Oh, that's a nice reference. We won't get a total solar eclipse over here, but in America, they will. Somehow that seems fitting that more people over there will be totally in the dark these days. But the thing that annoys me about an eclipse is the advice we get. The Royal Astronomical Society has warned people not to look directly at the sun, with the spokesman saying, You will risk permanent eye damage. I'm sorry, but if you don't know that you shouldn't sit there staring at the sun, it's your own fault. It's like those labels that you see on packets of nuts saying, May contain nuts. 
Do you need that advice? And we do it too. In the past, I've been guilty of sitting on radio saying, if you spot a problem on the roads, give us a call if it's safe and legal to do so. Do you know what? If something isn't safe or legal to do, don't do it. Even if a radio DJ tells you to. I know it's because no one wants to get sued in this compensation culture we live in. We hear stories of people who sue, and let's be honest, we're a little jealous. You see those daytime TV adverts where someone says, I sat on a stapler and now I get my mortgage paid. And you think, oh, it's, it's not bad. Maybe we should just take a little personal responsibility, though. If you buy a hot drink and it doesn't say, caution, hot, maybe still don't pour it down you. So, during the eclipse, don't look at the sun. But if you do, it's all on you. It shouldn't take you by surprise. The eclipse is a time when there's not much sun to see. This is the UK. We're used to that. We call it summer. Sorry, I was nearly late today. Why? Well, Big Ben stopped. There are other clocks, you know. I know, I know. Don't worry, I'm not one of those people who've been making such a big deal about Big Ben. The way people have gone on about it, you'd have thought the UK was losing the one place we kept our time. And now, if you call the speaking clock, you'll get... On the third stroke, the time will be... Uh... Oh, dear. <laughs> O'clock. I got stuck in a conversation with a Big Ben boar. He was going on about it for, well, I'd say hours, but I don't know. I couldn't hear any bongs. Eventually, I had to say, Um, I think that guy over there thinks that Big Ben means the tower. And he was off. Uh, uh, what, what? No, actually, Big Ben is the name given to the bell. And I the made my escape while he was being boring. So why were you late? Oh, uh, it was the eclipse. Well, you couldn't see. It never normally stops you. You clearly get dressed in the dark. No, but everyone was getting overexcited about it. The news channels kept calling it the once-in-a-lifetime eclipse that happens around every 15 months. So why were you late? Oh, yes, well, with Big Ben falling silent and the sun disappearing from the sky, it wasn't tricky to convince silly people that it was the end of the world. A few things they can't explain and some people believe any old supernatural nonsense. I also did that thing where you pretend you're pulling the end of your thumb off and that was it. I got believers. And now I'm the leader of a cult. And we had a bit of a late one last night. That's why I'm late. Oh... Some people have a problem with little green men. I know what you're thinking. I knew that eclipse was the perfect cover for the Martians to land. But it's not that kind of little green men. I'm talking about the ones that tell you when to cross the road. Now, if you're still thinking it's aliens that tell you when to cross the road, you might need more tinfoil on that hat. Some are claiming that the green men walking signs on pedestrian crossings may be too fast. It doesn't give enough time for people to cross. I went to a Pelican Crossing to find out what you think. Excuse me, I wonder if you think that this crossing is... Oh, oh, yeah, bye. Yeah, I didn't think that through. So, could a tweak of the Green Man system be on the cards? Yes, in Australia they've brought in changes. There are rules that say half the crossings have to have little green women on the signs because Australia is really good at not being sexist. One expert said, We had to change the signs or Sheila's might not know they can cross the road too. We also plan to put a green chicken on the signs. Well, that'll finally answer that one. When I was doing stand-up in Vienna, they had a campaign where they changed their green men to outlines of couples holding hands. To represent love. And I was there on my own. I never felt more alone. Seriously, don't make people feel that down when they stood near traffic. But the best system to copy could be Scotland. When I've been up there for the Edinburgh Festival, I noticed that when you cross the road, you hear the beeps and the green man comes on. Now, the green man stays on for 15 seconds, but the beeps stop after about five. The pedestrians hear it stop, panic, and run to the other side. With that system, it's still safe to cross the road, but we all get a bit more exercise. 
Everyone seems to be all excited about the fact that Wayne Rooney is retiring from international football. I don't know why, sometimes watching the England team play, you can spot them nearly retire halfway through the game. Wayne is 31, which is not bad, but Prince Philip was 96 when he retired, and that's a much bigger number. It's far closer to the age that most of us will be before we get to call it a day. I realise you couldn't play international football at the age of 96. You could play in the National League, though. Everyone is going on about it. Listen, I'm just going to go through the dial to listen to what other stations are saying about it. Yes, indeed, uh, Rooney is a record scorer. 53 goals for England, numerous times in league football, and definitely scored out of his league with Colleen. We're taking your request for Wayne Rooney. What did you like about our sporting hero? On the text, we had a request for money, money, money. That's for Colleen. Well, some would say he's too young to retire. I mean, he's 31, but his hair is about four. So if you average that out... Gareth Southgate asked Rooney to be part of the team, but Wayne turned him down. Sven-Goran Eriksson had this to say. It's a pity that... Uh... He will miss the next World Cup for England. And when it comes to missing things for England, Gareth Southgate knows what he's talking about. So a lot of people talking about it. Love him or hate him. The good news is, he's not giving up his day job. These days, airlines seem to charge for extras that you wouldn't consider extra. A drink on a flight, being given a seat booking. It won't be long till some airlines make the safety presentation at the start of the flight pay-per-view. But there's one extra it seems you can't pay for. Actually getting your luggage. It happened again. Hundreds of British holidaymakers were left without their luggage after a Gatwick airport failure meant that bags weren't put on the planes. We have the technology to put a man on the moon, but we can't sort this. And in fact, when they landed on the moon, Neil Armstrong's luggage didn't end up going to Mars. This is one small step for man, one really big one for my suitcase because it's on Mars. They always say you should travel with a change of underwear in your hand luggage, but it can take weeks to get your case back. And no one wants to have weeks worth of undies in their hand luggage because it's your hand luggage that gets checked in the customs right in front of you. Do you mind if I open your case? Uh, no, I guess not. Oh, you've got a lot of underpants here there for personal use? It can be expensive buying new clothes when you get to a foreign country, and often you buy them in the airport. So not only expensive, but just so touristy. Ever wondered why you can spot a tourist a mile off? Loud shirt, check shorts, and a bum bag? That's someone who's having to wear whatever they can find in a gift shop. If there's one silver lining to this whole mess, it's that the problem happened in Gatwick North. A lot of flights from there go to Spain. And if there's one thing we know to be true of Brits that holiday in places like Magaluf and Alicante, seems like they don't wear that many clothes anyway. Scientists have found that swearing can act as a painkiller, which makes you wonder, can Gordon Ramsay feel anything? This study found that by swearing out loud, pain felt by someone can be lessened. I suppose it makes sense. It's a natural urge. When you stub your toe, you don't shout out, ooh, fiddlesticks. You go straight for the swearsies and you feel a little bit better. And really, this is great news. At a time when the NHS is under a lot of funding pressure, and a recent news story found that the NHS spends £87 million on Paris well, it'll cost nothing to give someone a prescription for a swear word. I want you to have a every four hours and a after a big meal. And I'd assume that there's no risk of addiction. We'll start at having a few 
every so often, you know, just to be sociable. Next thing, I was having a in the morning just to feel human. Pretty soon I could only talk to people like Adele. But doing research into swearing sounds like fun. So I went along to a place where they do this vital research. Uh, this is the Swearing Health Interaction Technology European Research, or... Let's not do the acronym thing. Um, this place is bigger than I thought. Well, we have many departments. Over there is where we create the new swear words. And what have you created lately? We recently developed... Oh. Wow. I mean, I, I like it, but is that even physically possible? This is our export department. Oh, where do you export to? Well, I, I can't say too much, but there's a reason that we didn't want Scotland to vote for independence. And how do you pay for such a massive research centre? Simple. We install a swear box. There was outrage among the newspapers that like to be outraged when we heard plans to only send police to people who don't speak English very well. It's a risky strategy, upsetting people who are good at using English. Because, oh, the complaint letters go on and on. And they use such big words. The headline in one paper said, Police, we may not come out if you speak English. But have you heard people speak these days? I want everything. If I was you... Oh, don't worry, you'll still get the police. Oh, police, could you come round? I'm sorry, you seem to be speaking English. Can't you fit me into your schedule? I think you mean schedule. We'll be right there. When you dig a little deeper, the concept is that they'd prioritise those who are more vulnerable, and those who can't speak English are more vulnerable. And it won't happen anyway. It's unworkable. If they really didn't visit you if you speak English and you got robbed, you'd do this. Hello, 999 emergency. Uh, bonjour? It's not even a plan, it's a prediction by Deputy Commissioner Craig McKee that it could happen if cuts continue. So, basically, it's publicity against the cuts. Like when the force in the Midlands said they'd only investigate burglaries at homes with an even number if cuts continued. It didn't happen. And even if it did, it's okay. I live in a home with an even number. So I can nick all of my neighbour's stuff. The police aren't going to help him. And if he sneaks around and nicks his stuff back, I'll call the police. Uh, hello, I live in a place with an even number and the guy next door's just robbed me. I'm sorry, we can't send anyone round. Can't you do anything? We'll be right there. I'm not sure how, but yet again plastic bags are in the news. Maybe they're more important items than I give them credit for. As they're non-biodegradable, in the future, 900 years from now, that's what they'll be digging up on Time Team. As we can see from the markings on this one, people back then committed to one bag for life. Each bag lasted around a few months, which tells us a lot of the life expectancy back then. First, they made us pay 5p for a bag and we did nothing. Then, one store stopped selling 5p bags and only sold 10p bags. And we did nothing, because by then the pound was so weak, 10p wasn't much. But get this, Kenya has passed the world's toughest plastic bag law. Offenders producing, selling, or even using non-biodegradable bags now face four years in jail. Wow, that's going to be awkward in prison. What are you in for? I robbed a bank. You? Uh, I forgot my bag for life. It could be a useful law, like how they got Al Capone for tax evasion. Here, Sarge, look what we found in the back of their van. That must be two tons of drugs. Forget the drugs, look what it's wrapped in. That ain't biodegradable. It's good to cut down on the amount of plastic bags we use. It's estimated that by 2050, there will be more plastic bags in our oceans than fish. Although when you get closer, you might find out they're actually just jellyfish. They look the same, but don't go too far. You can't arrest and jail people for having carrier bags. Right, you're nicked. What for? Possession of a drawer full of used carrier bags. Oh no. Constable, bag up the evidence. Uh, using what? Oh yeah. 
If I ever write a book, it'll be called Surveys of the Flippin' Obvious. There's always some survey in the news that finds out what we already knew. In the last year, I've genuinely read a survey that says most people prefer spending money than saving it. Duh. A recent survey found most men say they notice women's eyes first. Well, of course they'd say that. And my favourite is a survey found that 80% of women said that they'd tell lies, and the other 20% also tell lies when doing surveys. And now, there's another one to add to my book. A recent survey has found that 99% of us would rather eat off a round plate than a slab of slate like you get in those fancy restaurants. 99%, that's a good score. Remember, we're living in a time when people think 52% out of a two-option vote is decisive, so 99% is even better. Of course we prefer it plates are pretty good at what they do. When you're in a restaurant and they bring your food out on something that looks like it fell off a roof in a storm, you think, well, I better not ask for gravy. I'm not wearing my brown trousers. It's very on-trend to serve food in unusual ways. There's a restaurant in London where you have sushi served on a naked person. They should make you take an eye test first. Well, that could end up being a cannibal restaurant. No one wants to eat off another person. When you hear a woman saying, oh, it's a real dish, she doesn't mean like that. This survey tells us we only like round plates too, not strange elliptical shaped ones or ones with corners. I thought ones with corners were good for you. Why is that? Well, they say you should have a square meal. Here's another survey of one. 100% of me thinks you can shut up. Why not follow on Twitter at Mr. Stephen Allen? You could subscribe to the podcast as well. You do that by searching for Steve and Allen's Week in your podcast app.